And this morning I want to begin in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 where Paul speaks to the church at Thessalonica, a letter to them, an epistle. And they are concerned, they are worried about those who are passing away, those who are dying, and Jesus hasn't come back. What's going to happen to those who are dead in Christ if Jesus returns in, in the short amount of time that they thought about in the first century church? You see, they lived in anticipation of the coming of the Lord at any minute. And that's where you ought to be. We need to be in anticipation of the coming of the Lord at any minute. But Paul's speaking to this church. And I want you to put yourself into their position. They are concerned. They are worried. They know Jesus is coming. A loved one has died. What about them? And hear what he says. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Would you grab the hand of the person next to you? And I want you to pray that God would richly bless them and truly bring this message home in a way that we can all understand it. Father, we thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, we have enjoyed worshiping you. We enjoyed the worship team. We enjoyed entering in to be at one with them and one with the body and most importantly, at one with you. I pray, Father, that the rest of the service would be exactly as it has commenced, that we would worship you in unity and in praise. And Father, I pray that everything that I say, Lord, would come with understanding, that the Holy Spirit would bring it down to a level, Lord, that we can apply it to our lives and our hearts. And Lord, if there's someone here today that does not know you, may they come to know you, Lord, as their personal Savior, before we leave today, these things we ask and we pray in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone in God's house said, Amen and Amen. Turn to your neighbor, shake their hand, and ask them, Are you ready? Are you ready? You may be seated if you'd like. Or you can remain standing and be that much more ready. Just with a brief show of hands, how many have heard about the rapture? You've heard about the rapture. Some maybe never, maybe not. You won't find the word in the Bible. So why do we talk about the rapture so much? Well, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, which we just read, there's a phrase there that is translated for you into English, said, caught up. In the original Greek, I can't say it probably like a Greek, I'm not a Greek, but it is repazo, meaning to be caught up or raptured, to be snatched away suddenly. And that's what the rapture is all about. What's Paul proposing here? He's telling us that Jesus Christ is coming in the clouds of glory and that he is going to snatch away those that are in the grave and 
those who are alive at the same time. Well, in fact, the dead in Christ will rise just a twinkle of an eye before you and I are caught up together with him in the clouds. And the Bible says, And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these. How many feel comforted that they're going to be flying through outer space in a moment of time? That's brother right over here. Amen. <laughs> you know, in the world that we live in, it would be nice to escape this situation. And I've got good news for you. We're soon to do it. So where do we get any other information but this one particular passage of Scripture? I want you to go to Matthew chapter 24. Now today's sermon is somewhat of a teaching and a preaching. So I'm going to preach to you this morning about the good news of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 24. Now when you read this chapter, it is one of the most prolific chapters concerning end time prophecy in the entire Bible. Book of Revelation, yes, that's an apocalypse. It tells you how everything is going to end. But today I want to look at the prophetic speech of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he told his disciples concerning the end time. The one thing about prophecy, especially in the chapter 24 here, it is not in chronological order. You have to study the Bible to find out what particular era he is talking about. So you don't have to spend hours or days looking for the particulars today. I'm going to draw out the scripture that speaks to the rapture, to the end times. Now look at Verse number one, the disciples are wondering about what's going to happen, the end times. Jesus has warned him that he's going away. He told them time and time again, it is expedient that I go away. They never got it till he went away. That's when they got it. But he still speaks to them with knowledge. And he went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. This has already been fulfilled. This was the tearing down of Herod's temple in A.D. 70. How many knows that the Bible is the inerrant word of God that what it says absolutely comes to pass. Oh, let's have a heartier amen than that. Amen! That's all right if you get excited. If you don't, I'll just kind of make up for you. So they, they continue pressing. And here in verse number 3, they kind of get to the crux of the matter for us. And as he said upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? They're actually talking about two different things, and though they did not know things perfectly, when is the coming? There is two, two separate events when we talk about the coming of the Lord. One is the rapture, which he will not set foot on planet earth, but it'll be in the clouds and we're caught up. Part B happens... When he comes back at the battle of Armageddon and decimates the armies 
of Antichrist and he literally sits in the temple in Jerusalem and rules the world for 1,000 years. I'm getting some amen. Somebody's done some reading. So hang on. You may not swing from the rafters today, but you're going to learn about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, take heed that no man deceive you. That's number one. There's going to be a lot of false Christs, a lot of false doctrine, people trying to gain popularity and wealth from the gospel. He said, beware. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And this is what he says. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence, and earthquakes in many places. In the past 30 days, we've experienced a couple of pretty good jolts. The first one woke me up, and I had no idea what was taking place. I live in Vallejo. It's not the nicest neighborhood on planet Earth. I didn't know if somebody had broke in and was rousting me out of bed, I reached over. My wife was still there. She's a sound sleeper. I sleep like a cat. I am up in a matter. So I woke up to the full experience. And there in the dark, the bed was shaking, and it felt almost like it was jumping up and down. I was pretty close to the epicenter in American Canyon, only live about 10, 15 miles away. So I was right there in the dark, your bed jumping up and down. I'm wondering what's going on. If it's the rapture, I'm ready. Let's get the preliminaries over. Let's go. So wars and rumors of wars. I wish Brother Gary was here this morning. He's sort of our church resident uh, person who keeps track of what's going on in, in Israel. But when we think about the present day wars, it's not a, a battlefield where one army lines up against another. It's an incursion of terrorists. That's what the end time wars are going to be all about. My wife was reading a, a, a post on uh, Yahoo this past week about a gentleman who lives on the Texas uh, Mexican border. And he said no less than 30 people a week cross the border there and I hold no animosity whatsoever for someone crossing the border wanting to make a life and work and get involved and get in the system and, and have something better for their family. But what this man said, it was not concerning any Hispanics coming over the border. It was people coming over the border that were dressed as Arabs. And it's an open avenue for terrorists to come into the United States. What they did in New York is just a precursor. If they come in with some sort of nuclear device in a suitcase and decimate an entire city, it can be done. I work 
for the federal government. I know just a smidgen of the capability of nuclear devices. For 20 years, I was involved in working with submarines. And one missile on a submarine can probably decimate an entire state. The warhead goes up. It has multiple warheads. They're programmed for different cities, not, of course, against ours, but against the perceived enemy at the time. Nuclear warfare today makes Hiroshima and Nagasaki look like just a firecracker. It is multiplied millions of times greater than it was. So we are living in the threat of some sort of a war right here on our doorstep. You didn't know that the service was going to go this way. I want you to be informed. I want you to know exactly where you're living. Do you recognize any of these names? Let's see. Hamas. How many have heard of Hamas? Oh, yeah. How about Hezbollah? You've heard about Hezbollah. How about Al-Qaeda? Has anybody been awake the past 30 days and heard about ISIS? The Islamic State of Iraq and Syria. Their pledge is to destroy anybody who is not a Muslim. Now my, my animosity is not against another religion. That's all going to work out in the wash. They're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and give an account. I, I am not going to go out and, and, and work up some side of a protest or whatever. But I'm telling you, not every Muslim is like these terrorists. I will say that up front. They will tell you that it is a religion of peace. But there are young mothers over in the Middle East who are teaching their young boys to hate people like you and I solely for the reason that you're a Christian. Anybody who is not Islamic is considered to be a dog, a heretic, and the enemy of what they believe. Now this is the truth. I'm going to give you the truth of God's word. So what's it all about? The Antichrist, how many have heard the term about the Antichrist? You've heard Antichrist. When Jesus returns in the clouds, part A, when he catches the bride of Christ away in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. I'm looking forward to that day, Sister Shannon, that we can just get out of here and be with Jesus Christ. What does it take? How do you know if you're ready? If you've confessed Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and daily you are walking in the light of the Scripture as He reveals it to you. Here's something. God requires more of me than he does of somebody who just came to Jesus Christ. That's the truth. I've been studying the Lord's Word and, and theology and everything else for a number of years. God doesn't expect you to know what I know and to do what I do or any of that or to preach unless you've been called to preach. What he does expect you to do is do your best. 
if you are in the mode of repentance or, sorry, if you're in the mode of confession, Lord, I've done this and I've done that. Forgive me for what I did. But yet you are not going on to repentance. There's a problem. Because if you keep confessing the same sin over and over and over, you did not repent of it. Why? Repent. What does repentance mean? Repentance means to turn from what you're doing and to do exactly opposite of what that is. If you have a problem with your language, if you're using some uh, these newer cutesy words, they, they kind of put a different word in for the queen mother word. Uh-huh. One that you can see on Facebook, one that you can say and people don't drop dead on the floor. You're just replacing words and everybody knows what you wanted to say. You just didn't do it. Take it out of your language. Take it out of your life. That's not cute. That's not holy. That doesn't make you look educated. It doesn't make you look pure because you didn't say the word. Everybody knows what you wanted to say. Just get it out of there. Repent means to turn away and do your best to act like Jesus, talk like Jesus, walk like Jesus, live like Jesus, and present Jesus Christ as he truly is. If he wouldn't do it, if he wouldn't say it, if he wouldn't go there, don't do it. Somebody say amen. So what is all of these wars and things, when do we know? Listen, I'm going to show you this, this one last scripture in Matthew 24. Just kind of wheel up there to verse number 32. Very important verse. This verse gives us a typology of Israel. They are the fig tree in this passage. You could do a lot of study and you can find out for yourself. But for this little bit, I've never told you a lie. Trust me on this. This is Israel. This is the nation of Israel. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. Fig tree, Israel. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So, likewise. In other words, you know the season by the elements, by the different changing seasons of spring, summer, winter, and fall. Just simple analogy there. So likewise, when ye shall see all these things, the things that we just talked about and other things, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, grip this. Put down a stake in this verse and be tethered to it. This generation, the people who were alive when Israel put forth leaves and became a nation. When did that happen? In 1948, Israel became a nation after 2,000 years of living in obscurity all over the world. They began to come back into their homeland. This generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. So Israel is in their land. They have a prime minister. They have a military. They are the only nation in the Middle East that is known to have nuclear capabilities 
as of today. That little strip of land, that little spot, take a look at it on the map, it's tiny. And all around them are people seething with hatred. Why don't they just march them into the sea? Because God would not have it. I'm not going to go a whole lot deeper into end time studies other than this. But in the book of Zechariah, it talks about Israel being surrounded by an army. This hasn't taken place yet. Surrounded by an army of, of thousands and thousands and thousands of people. I think it's in chapter 14. And all of a sudden, a catastrophe takes place and five-sixths of this army that has surrounded Israel drops in a moment of time. Their tongues and their eyeballs are consumed away in their sockets before they fall to the ground. What does that sound like to you? The prophet Zechariah was telling you what the Spirit of God showed him and you and I know what the picture was all about. The armies that are surrounding Israel now, yeah, they will, and they will attack one day, and Israel will have an answer. One thing I enjoy telling you, that Israel, the Jews, are a very learned, intelligent people, and very, very industrious. Your doctor is probably Jewish. That's the truth. You probably go and see Mr. Rabinowitz about your sore throat because he knows what he's talking about. But I do believe that the United States has aided them in their nuclear capabilities. In times past, America used to have a backbone. And they knew right from wrong. And they stood for right whether it cost them money or not. I encourage you, don't vote with your pocketbook. Vote with your faith. Somebody say amen this morning. How could one man, the Antichrist, rule the world? Revelation, I told you I wasn't going to do any more of this. I, I guess I lied. Revelation 13, verses 16 and 17, just a couple. This is the Antichrist. This is the man that steps in when Jesus catches us away. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. When Jesus catches you and I away. Can you imagine just for a moment the financial assets that will be tied up in court? Millions and billions of dollars in stocks and bonds and cash and gold. You've had your IRAs. You've had your retirements. You've been paying into it. You, most of us really don't have uh, a, a will made out. I don't even have one yet. I should. 
I, I would advise you to do that. I just haven't got around to it. But all of this free-floating cash and commodities, this is what I think. This man is going to have worldwide influence. He's going to step in and he's going to say, I have a plan for peace with the Palestinians, with Hamas, with Hezbollah, with ISIS. Israel can stay in their land. We'll make a covenant. We'll make an agreement. It's all in the book of Revelation. And I've got an answer to this terrible economy. We'll just, this is Brother White now, we'll just free this money up and distribute it. All you've got to do is join in my federation and be chipped. You thought that the mark of the beast was going to be some bloody tattoo on people's forehead or in their hand. This technology was brought to you and spoon-fed with pablum when they wanted to chip your puppy dog. That's when you got used to it. It's a good plan. Think about it. Your dog, if it's implanted with a GPS style, can be tracked and found. My car out there has something called LoJack. They wouldn't even tell me where this LoJack was on the car. They don't even tell anybody. It's somewhere in the frame, somewhere hid. If it gets stolen, I call the local police department and they can track it. Didn't cost that much, just a little bit. So if they can chip your puppy dog, it's called a very chip, very, D-E-R-I, and it's made right here in the United States. Look it up on the Internet. The Mexican government has already begun chipping their federal employees. And it's only for the purpose of identification, going in and out somewhere, and things of that nature. It's a security device. Can you imagine the commercials on the television? Get your children chipped. They can never be abducted. They can never be kidnapped. And if, if there's an accident, we know what their medical record is, whether they're a diabetic, whether they have a heart condition, whatever. It's all in the chip, and we can immediately respond and give them health care. It will be such a slick presentation that people won't even equate it with the mark of the beast. If you're not serving the Lord Jesus Christ today, I've got news for you. If you're left behind, you're in trouble. You say, I'm going to go hide. Not if you got one of these. The NSA could be listening to me right now. It's off. It's blank. They can listen. In fact, they can use the camera right where you're at. How many have ever bought anything on Amazon, eBay? Have you ever? Have you noticed that when you buy these items, and let's say you go back to Yahoo, and you're just, you know, typing along, the item you just bought somewhere else is popping up on your screen wanting you to buy another one just like it. They're following you with your cookies. They know what you're doing. 
If you check into Kaiser and you order your prescriptions, they know what you're sick with and what your health plan is. So if your plan is to run for the hills, you better go there nearly stark naked because any kind of technology, they can track you down and follow you. Is anybody thinking about what I'm saying this morning? We all love these things. We like them. We'll say we really, really like them. I mean, you can get on there and text somebody and you don't know that somebody in Washington, D.C. is watching what you're saying. I don't like Mr. Obama. I don't agree with his health care. I think he should be tougher on immigration. I think he should be tougher on, on Hamas and ISIS. They know where you stand in your political beliefs. So when we talk about Antichrist, this man is going to step in with a plan and he's going to know where those who are left behind are at. If you don't receive the mark, the scriptures say you won't be able to buy or sell. You're going to starve to death. And if you refuse the mark, the scriptures say there is an added caveat. They will chop your head off. You say, well, that's, that's, uh, that's easy. Let me play devil's advocate for just a moment. I've got a vivid imagination. The scriptures are very quick to tell you it's going to be like the guillotine, the chopping of the head. That's the French name for severing your head. I don't believe it's going to be merciful where you're looking at the ground. I think you'll be looking up while they torture your children and while the blade just comes down maybe three foot at a time I'll figure out if you think you're going to be able to stand in that day and yet you can't stand today think again we need to get ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ you do not want to be left behind at the end of that chapter 24, I'm going to give you a paraphrased version. Down below where we just read. As it, ah, no, I'm going to lie again. I'm going to the scriptures. Just so you know, when you're reading, you know where you're at. Verse 36 through 44 applies to this day and generation. But at that day and hour no man knoweth, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as in the days of Noah so shall also be the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving and marrying. Life as usual. That's what it's talking about. Life as usual. And Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Two shall be in the field. One shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour the Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. 
He's going to come when you don't expect it. That's a bona fide reality. Whether you're taking a shower, driving down the freeway, if there's a, a Christian pilot and he's flying a, a flight from San Francisco to Atlanta, there's going to be a problem. A mother that just gave birth to her child and she doesn't know Jesus as her Savior could possibly go to the crib in the room where that baby is at, that innocent baby, and find out that a thief has broken in and taken that child. There's no use calling the police. He's going to leave without a trace. Who's the thief? Jesus Christ. What's he coming for? His bride who hath made herself ready, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Did I tell you this to scare you? If you're a Christian and you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I told you this, that you might look forward to the coming of the Son of Man. If you don't know Jesus... You need to be more than concerned. You need to be more than nervous. You need to be motivated to find out who Jesus is. If he is who he says he is. If he is the Son of God. If he is the Savior of the world. If he died for your sins. If he loves you without limit. If he's coming again. If he's coming as a thief in the night. If he's able to take you into heaven. And the answer to every one of those questions is, yes, Jesus Christ is all of these things and more. Do you know him today? Let me give you just a little warning that will help you on a practical level today. I know nearly all of us do this, but with the present situation, I want you to think about this before you do it again. When you post pictures of your children and your grandchildren on Facebook or whatever, you think, oh, they're safe from anybody but my friends. You're living in Disneyland. They're not safe. Someone with the proper software, if they can make viruses that challenge the United States government, they certainly have the ability to go into Facebook and find out who that picture is and exactly where it was taken. And if a pervert, yeah, I still use that word. If a pervert sees your child and takes a liking to it, they know exactly where to go. So the next time you're just feeling all warm and fuzzy about a cute thing that your child did, think about before you press that button who is going to be able to take a look at it. I'm just trying to help you. I don't have an agenda. This is not biblical prophecy. I'm just trying to give you something practical. 
they are able to do most anything they want because we have opted for a technologically bound society. We need that phone. We need to text it. We need to go faster. We need more megabytes and gigabytes and all of that. We got to have it right now. We are the age that when we put popcorn in the microwave, we stand there and tap our foot. We want it right now, but it comes at a price. Would you stand with me? Paul said in his second letter to the Thessalonians, he was giving them some further warning. In chapter number 2 of 2 Thessalonians, he said, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering unto him, talking about Jesus coming again, that ye be not soon shaken in your mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition talking of the Antichrist exposed in the book of Revelation. Paul said it's going to happen that there would be a falling away amongst church folks. In other words, we break it down to where we're at that the church would forget about the power of God, the delivering power of the Holy Spirit, miracles in the church and the power of Jesus Christ to really change somebody's life. How many here today have met Jesus Christ and he changed your life forever? This is not a religion. This is not just a gathering group or, or a, a, a unity of people. It's beyond that. This is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. This is the beginning of what Jesus will do throughout the rest of eternity. His people bound together in unity. Somebody say amen. amen. Today, you can rest assured that the generation that was alive in 1948 will see this entire thing spoken of that we talked about today. The coming of Jesus Christ and the seven years of the tribulation. You think of that. You are living. You are living in the day that Jesus Christ will return. When is it going to be? We don't know for sure. But we do know that it's this generation. It'll be in the daytime? I don't know. It could be at night. It's very much like that earthquake that took me totally by surprise in the middle of the night. What if that had been the rapture and you wasn't ready? What if you were in one of those places you really don't want to be in when Jesus returns? What if you were doing something that Jesus wouldn't do at that moment? Now, I, I know heaven doesn't have swinging doors on it, but do you really want to risk being left behind? I don't. 
I don't think we could survive very well. Would you bow your head? Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, I've spoken plainly to your people about end times, about the scriptures you have shown us and left for us to drink into our hearts. I pray, Lord, this morning that if there is anyone here that doesn't know you, Lord, they would make that decision today and invite you into their hearts. And Father, if there's some here today that are lukewarm, they really haven't repented. They've confessed a lot of times and they know you are Jesus, Lord of all. But they're failing in the, in the area of true repentance. Help them, Father, today. Lord, we're all at different levels where we walk. And I've explained, Father, that you expect a lot of somebody who has known you for a number of years. But Lord, we are all expected to do the best that we can. I ask you, Father, just be plain with us. Show us, Lord, where we stand with you. And I ask you, Lord, as loving as you are, to show that love even, Father, to each and every one today that we may know what the will of God is for our lives. These things we pray in Jesus' name.